Welcome back to the Fantasy Formula. I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and I'm joined as always by Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. It's the dawn of a new season, a new F1 Fantasy game, and Rob for us is the dawn of Season 2 of the Fantasy Formula. Season 2 back and better than ever. It's going to be an unbelievably fun season ahead for us, Adam. I think you and I have talked about all the grand plans we have um, for this page, for this channel, for this show, and truly excited to see uh to truly excited to put these plans into action and see where they can go for the new year absolutely and for anyone who hasn't experienced this show before there are a few ways you can get to know rob and i so every week mid-race week we film this show which is a preview of the upcoming race and a review of any previous races if there was one and then one hour before lineups lock, which is one hour before qualifying every race, we host a live show on the FanAmp YouTube channel. It's Rob and myself and Terry from F1 Coffee Corner. We're going to review all of the news going into qualifying in the lineup lock deadline, answer your questions, and draw a winner from our contest. And we're going to talk about this week's contest really soon. And lastly, if you download the FanAmp app, you can connect with Rob and I at the same time to ask us questions about your team or the game or just banter with us about the sport. We'd love to hear from you too. So be sure to download the FanAmp app today because that's the key to some great contact between us and you. So Rob, we want to tell the people a little bit about our league. It's blowing up now. Yeah, it's really um, come along nicely since uh, Formula One, for those of you that don't know, uh, promoted the fantasy formula on the official F1 fantasy website. We're up to about 40,000 plus uh, participants in the league and it's still not too late to join. You can join all throughout the season, uh, but get those teams submitted into the fantasy formula league on their official website uh, to compete for some great prizes among some great strategists. And, you know, it's, it's, as I said before, a really exciting time for the fantasy formula. So the league code is on the screen and uh, we hope to see you in there and go head to head throughout the season. And I think there's going to be some really great banter between us and the people of the league. I'll definitely be showcasing some of the top teams on my socials just to give shout outs to the teams that score the most every week. So this is going to be a really great way for us to connect with our viewers because we didn't have a league last year because we started late. And this is a really great way to start the 2024 season. Okay. Let's talk about our giveaway because that's going to be the foundation of our live show this Friday. So while you're in the FanAmp app, head over to our base and answer the question, which constructors are you running in Bahrain? This is going to be a topic we cover throughout the show a bunch of times, so make sure you pay attention there and weigh in on which constructors you're using. Now, the winner of this contest is going to receive a gift card to our sponsors at Fifth Gear Garms. We're so thrilled to have them back again because not only do they have some great F1 merch, I don't think you can see it in the shot here, but I've got my MP423 sweatshirt that I wear all the time. It's so comfy. And they've also expanded to include prints, art, and some kids' books this year. So Fifth Gear Garms is growing too. So glad to have them back. Indeed. And the best part about commenting in our fan amp base is that the constructor, for instance, this week doesn't even have to be the highest scoring constructor. It can just be any two or any co combination of constructors that you're running this weekend. So it's very easy to enter. And given how many lucky uh, people last season won the, the, the gift card to Fifth Gear Gums, I'm sure there's going to be a, a few more happy folks heading into 2024. It's going to be a really great show on Friday. I'm looking forward to it. 
So we're rolling out a bunch of new segments for those of you that were with us on the show last year. And I want to start with winners and losers. I'm thinking, Rob, maybe I'll do a winner, then you do a winner, and we can alternate our winners and our losers. So my first winner here is going to be the Red Bull Constructor. I think coming in at a price that is as cheap as they were last year, despite being the runaway number one team in fantasy, they were delivering so much value, even though they were so expensive. They seem to be a must start, regardless of what team you're going with this year. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you on that, Adam. And uh, I think on the topic of constructors, Ferrari for me is a winner in my books based on what we saw in preseason testing. I really like the look of Charles and Carlos. They had the top times on days two and three of testing. I think they look really good value for money, the constructor anyway. Uh, and it also means it's slightly more affordable price to Red Bull. means that if you elect to go with them instead of Red Bull, you have a bit of leftover cash to redistribute to other parts of your team. So I'm really liking the look of Ferrari as the closest rival to Red Bull, uh, not just in the constructors uh, field for fantasy, but overall in the season. I think you're going to see that Ferrari is a very popular choice this week, especially because of how much budget flexibility they give you for other drivers. So I'm looking forward to unpacking that with you a bit later in the show. And as for the biggest driver winner for me, I've been catching some flack about this on social media because of the negative press around Alpine this week, but I love what Pierre Gasly has been doing in the game so far. So he was the 10th highest scoring driver in 2023, but he's priced as the 13th driver now. And he and Ocon are the cheapest drivers with a podium in 2023 by over $8 million. So I think there's some huge upside with this team. And even though some of this press is saying that Alpine are looking slow, even though they're a works team and they have some poor engine performance, as you saw in Drive to Survive last weekend, this is normal for that team. So even if they're the P6, P7 constructor, you're going to see some great value out of Gasly in the P13 slot. And fans are seeing this value because he's owned on 45% of teams. So I love Pierre Gasly. I think I just, yeah, I I mean, I think I love Gasly for his reliability last season. There there are only three other drivers with um, less single digit scores in F1 fantasy than Pierre. And they were all premium assets in Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton uh, were two such drivers. So if you want that reliability and consistency that his counterpart Ocon just couldn't provide, I think that's a really good option for you. My Winner in the driver category is Yuki Sonoda. I've really liked what I've seen from the RB uh, through testing. They've, there's also a lot of talk around the new components that the RB is taking, those push-pull rods uh, from the RB19. And I think, you know, at $8 million, he becomes a very, very friendly budget enabler. I mean, I wouldn't say $8 million is budget, but close to budget, particularly when the Alpines, who I'd say are a step behind, uh, the uh, the RBs uh, at only 0.2 more. I really like that value Yuki has. He had six double-digit scores to round out 2023, and I fully expect he's going to continue that good form into the new year. Nobody's sleeping on RB. The RB constructor is owned in 40% of teams. It's the highest-owned constructor. I think people are seeing a lot of the themes paralleling this car and the RB19 and a full season of Yuki and a healthy Danny Rick on a contract year, I think RB's potential is huge. Now, moving down to the losers, I'm going to package both of mine together because I think you can sense a theme here. Oscar was priced as the P6 driver despite finishing P9 and scoring last season. 
He only scored 30 plus points in three races, and one of them was that 20 overtake performance in Vegas. So I'm very worried about his potential compared to his price. And I think owners are a little bit nervous with him too, because he's the 11th most run asset in the game at 18%. So I think his popularity has faded a little bit because of his big price. And really the worst of the pricing has to be on Lando Norris. So he's priced as the second highest driver in the game, but he was only a top two scoring fantasy driver in five races last season, despite leading the field with five driver of the day wins. So it's going to be really hard to sustain that. And when you consider McLaren's performance in preseason testing, they were looking behind the Ferrari, like you mentioned a moment ago. So anything shy of P2 for these assets is going to be a disappointment. And I think that's what we're going to see in the early part of the year. Yeah, fully agree. And my my loser is a bit of uh, one of my loser answers is a bit of a cop out answer going with the McLaren constructor. But I think the the papaya theme through the losers category is pretty uh, well talked about in F1 fantasy circles. McLaren's ownership as the constructor at eighteen percent. It's interestingly ahead of Mercedes with sixteen percent. But that there just seems to be a lot more talked about Ferrari and Mercedes than McLaren. I'm finding through testing, and I appreciate McLaren was perhaps keeping their cards close to their chest. They ran their very regimented testing program through those three days. So maybe there's a reason they're not looking to advertise too much about the performance of their car. They might even be sandbagging a little bit. But realistically, until I see something from them on paper or on the track that suggests they are going to be rivaling Red Bull, I'm not going to jump on their assets straight away. I just find when you've got Ferrari at 19.3 and even Mercedes at 20.1 million, it's very hard to pay an extra 3 million for a McLaren car that was excellent through the second half of second half of last year, but I suspect a lot of those other top teams have closed the gap to them. Rob, if I can jump in with a fact on McLaren too, the thing that scares me the most the end of last season, our budgets were as big as they ever were. Ours were in the 130s. Since the end of last season, McLaren's price has gone up $6 million. It makes it very, very hard to run a constructor that high unless they're truly at the level of Red Bull dominance. Yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. So I think we're going to have to wait and see a little bit more from them before we fully pile in on orange assets. I'll wrap up the, uh, the losers segment with George Russell as my... Uh, fantasy loser of sorts he is the lowest owned driver in the game at eight percent and i think a lot of that boils down to primarily because charles leclerc lewis hamilton even oscar piastri and carlos Sainz as well all around that similar price point i think russell is probably just the odd man out in these circumstances the mercedes again I think there's a case to be made that their race simulation paces are looking encouraging. But 2023 was a season to forget for George Russell. Not anything close to this, what we saw from him in his first season at Mercedes. And I'm really not sure at this stage of the season whether he's going to be fighting his way in for podiums from the outset. I, I really am a little skeptical on Mercedes. Uh, but I think right now, given how favorable Ferrari are looking and then, you know, the proven pedigree of Lewis Hamilton, you know, a million more. There's a lot, a few more better options out there than George Russell, I think, at the moment. The top 10 finishers, it's a crowded pool this year. There are a lot of talented drivers that are vying for those points, and George could be really scrambling, particularly if the W15 is acting in the early season as its predecessors the last two seasons. Mercedes is desperate to get the design right early, but if they don't, George could really suffer. Definitely, definitely. 
So now moving down to another new segment on our show, we're going to go over the hit list. So Rob and I have picked a couple of topics that are near and dear to our heart this week, things that didn't make it onto the winners and losers that we really wanted to dive into together. And let's start with, if you had to pick one asset this week, either Max or Red Bull, each of them up around $30 million each, which one would you pick, Rob? I think right now I'm leaning towards Max Verstappen and there has been a lot of chit-chat in the F1 Fantasy community over on Twitter, on YouTube, wherever you look for F1 Fantasy content around whether or not Max's $30 million price point is worth it. Now, I just find it very hard to go without him. Uh, He is the perennial DRS boost option. He was uh, that for me all through 2023. And he averaged 46 points per race, which is an unbelievable metric. Uh, when the next closest, I think it was Sergio Perez at 26 points per race, is it's just daylight between the two of them. And for me, what you're seeing in Max uh, is someone who is reliable. He is consistent. He's going to be in the top two fantasy scorers just about every single race weekend. And realistically, in that Red Bull, he just looks so rapid. It's a clinical car. They're a very well-put-together outfit. I just can't fault them at the moment. Um, where's your head at at, at the moment? I, I mean, I could make a case for Red Bull too, but it, it's a very run, one-sided argument for me at the moment. This is a cop-out, but all of the lineups I've planned right now have both in them. But if I had to pick one, I'm going to be with you, Rob, and pick Max because, again, he's capable of a driver of the day and a fastest lap and a race win. So the upside on him is huge. The 2x DRS boost means you're getting double max and double max is better than any pairing on the grid, including even Red Bulls. So while I think Perez is going to put together a good week, I might run Red Bull too. If I had to pick one, I think I'd go with just max. Who would have thought that the kid that got left at the gas station all those years ago is going to be the first name on my team sheet for F1 Fantasy. But (laughs) I think Max is uh, once again going to be dominating the fantasy headlines this season. I'll continue on to the next question. We've got Lando Norris at 25% ownership and Joe at 9% ownership. Do either of these stand out to you for better or for worse in terms of what we're seeing from fantasy strategist trends at the moment? I talked a bit about Lando earlier, so I want to focus on Joe at 9% because he's the 19th owned driver on the grid. You talked about Russell a moment ago, but let's remember what Joe was last year. He was six on the grid and overtakes. He finished as the 13th best fantasy driver, and for probably two-thirds of the season, we were really counting on him for that budget driver performance. It wasn't until Yuki and the Alpha Tower really started stepping up in the last third of the season that Joe started losing some grip in, uh, in fantasy lineups, but I'm really surprised to see him slip so far, especially when you consider some of the pace that Sauber had last week in preseason testing. We know they're going to be faster than Haas. He's probably going to be faster than Logan Sargent. It's not crazy to think he's better than Botas. I'm going to be looking really closely at Joe for my team this week. Yeah, I really like that. As you as you pointed out, was a, a really king of the overtakes and a, a reliable budget enabler through the first half of last season. I think for me, you, you mentioned obviously the Haas drivers, Logan Sargent, 
given, and I know you mentioned Pierre Gasly as a, as a winner earlier, I'd almost argue given the negative press coming out about the pace of that Alpine, whether Joe, from the pace you're describing that Alfa Romeo, sorry, Salva had in pre-season testing, whether or not, you know, P7 for this weekend in the constructors is a realistic target for the Saubers. I, I know pre-season testing, again, we can only read into that so much, but you know, they, they really thrived in the first couple of races last season. They seemed to make a hot start and maybe lose steam a little bit through the year. So, you know, you never know. I think they're one team that have maybe been written off a little early. Uh, I'm not saying they are absolute must-owns, but I'm also saying, you know, give them half a shot if you're looking for someone at that $6.5 million and maybe that'll pay dividends. He was the fastest lap in Bahrain last year. Not that that counts for much, but just something to think about. And the last day of preseason testing, Joe posted the third fastest time with not the fastest tires. Hamilton had the C5s. So very, very interesting omen to end the testing from Joe. And Mm. this is where the practice sessions this week are going to be so impactful. There's a big bunch of drivers, I think, with Stroll at the top end and Joe and Botas at the bottom end with the RBs in the middle, the Alpines in the middle. Free practice is going to tell us a lot about where these guys are shaping up. And that's our last chance to grab any bargains. I don't think we're going to have anything quite to the extent that we had with Aston Martin, who really stood out very early last year. But I'm hoping that will give us one last glimpse of what a budget driver could look like. Definitely, definitely. Let's move down to our third topic tonight, because our friends at F1 Fantasy Tools, every week they have a race simulation and they post the most likely team to do well. And their team this week has a Red Bull Ferrari constructor stack, but Sergio Perez is the 2X driver, and then fairly normal drivers with the rest of the budget. My question to you, Rob, is, is this the best possible configuration for the week? I, I have thought about this because up until about three or four days ago, I hadn't even remotely entertained the idea of two uh, powerhouse constructors in my lineup. But the more I think about it, the more appealing it is. I'm not saying that I'll be absolutely going with a lineup like that in the first race of the season. But I certainly think you can argue that Ferrari, Red Bull's probably closest rival at the moment, and Red Bull Constructor, which if you're not running Max Verstappen is the next best thing to him because you get a part of Max's fantasy performance. Throw in Checo, who is or was the second highest scoring fantasy driver last season on average in what looks to be the best car on the grid, notwithstanding the fact he is a bit accident and incident prone. And I really think that is the makings of a pretty solid fantasy team from the get-go. Now, I did say before, it's hard to look past Max Verstappen with that DRS boost potential. And I think the one thing I'd argue the other way is that, yes, maybe in one race week standalone, you could say Red Bull, Ferrari and Checo are going to outscore a Max, a Red Bull and a V-Carb, for instance. But over the course of an entire season, I'm seeing Max's DRS boost output much higher than I'm seeing Checo and the more inconsistent Ferrari. I know we have weeks where they look great and they have weeks where they look like a second has in terms of their strategy. So I think the projections on F1 Fantasy Tools, they, they're obviously based on the overall performance of the teams and the drivers last season and preseason testing. I'm not so sure if I'm going to run with it this weekend. I'm not going to say it's going to score me more points, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not, not sold yet. What's, what's your take on it? It is a tough one. 
it's either the number one or number two option in my book. The The simulation has the constructors alone scoring 130 points, which is a really nice base for your team. Mm. And then really a lot of things can happen with the drivers and you still have a pretty solid score. What I like about this lineup is if it's wrong with your two free transfers, you can easily pivot, like you said, to the max RB configuration in time for Saudi mm -hmm. Arabia, because now transfers are 10 points each. That's going to hurt. We'll talk about that more in a little bit when we, we go through some of the game changes for this year. But it's really important we get things right in the first week. And max RB or Perez Ferrari, it's just one week's worth of transfers away from getting right. So I think those are the two big options for me. Mm. Mm, definitely and rob if i if i may too you had pulled up some really great information about perez in the beginning of seasons correct me if i'm wrong i think it was seven out of his first eight races each of the last three seasons checo's been a top five driver so excellent in the first third of the season so he's i trust yeah him. he's got he's got great omens through the first you know half dozen or so races of the year it's something maybe a lot of us overlook but a good point someone made to me the other day is that the reason why he typically falls off the later the season goes is because those upgrades and development to the Red Bull is typically in favor of Max's driving style. So you're finding that when the car is probably more neutral in the first few races of the season, Checo's doing really well, particularly when you throw in the odd street circuit here and there, which he obviously enjoys. But I think it's probably the best time of the year to go in on Checo as your DRS boost option, if I'm being completely honest. So I can see why people are perhaps gravitating to him and Red Bull um, over, over Max Verstappen. And I'll, I'll point out one more thing, that in 2022, when Max wasn't in most of our teams because of the, the, the turbo driver or DRS boost option back then due to price restrictions, a lot of people were running Checo and Red Bull because of the fact that that was just value for money in terms of the fantasy production you'd be getting each week from those two assets. It wasn't very long ago that we were trusting Sergio, and I think we could definitely do it again this week. I've got two other thoughts on this topic. One is that Fantasy Tools this morning launched different simulations, so they, it was so heavily requested. What if Perez lets us down? They have a writer simulation, Perez underperforms. So that's an interesting watch, too. The other lineup that they have is RB sandbagging. So what if RB comes out of the shoot contending for points right away? What does that do for the lineup? So that's an interesting read if you get a chance. Last thing I want to talk about here is that the fan app picks of the week are on this topic. So which of these teams scores the most fantasy points this week? Your, and your options are Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, or Red Bull. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for us to get the ball rolling with our poll question for the week to enter to win the contest. And while you're on the FanAmp app, make sure you make these picks. They have a lot of different predictions with every uh, sprint, qualifying, and Grand Prix. And the winners throughout the course of the season win great prizes through FanAmp. So this show is going to give you a lot of opportunity to win some great stuff. Yeah, I, I really think the uh, the FanAmp picks of the week could be an interesting one despite despite how Red Bull leaning it might be. But um, I'm happy to get into that later on. Now, the, la uh, the last topic we want to talk about here are the two biggest changes to the game in 2024. Which of these, Rob, do you think is more impactful and why? I think I would say impactful is the minus 10 for transfer additional transfers. The reason I say that is... Partly because last season, 
the transfers penalty for minus four points was just much too easy. You didn't even need your wild card. I didn't use mine until the last race of the season. So I think minus 10 adds an element of strategy and planning that we just didn't have 12 months ago. It makes those extra transfers much harder uh, to decide on. Uh, and I would almost argue that if you're taking those hits, you want to make sure that you're paying off that minus 10 over multiple race weeks because it's going to be very hard to recoup that in a single race. Um, and the only reason I say that is because those minus 10s are going to affect us most weeks when we're making our transfer decisions. I think no negative on the other hand, it's only a chip we use once a week and I appreciate uh, once a season and I appreciate that resetting any of the scoring categories back to zero is obviously a huge plus for the chip and makes it more valuable. I don't necessarily see that changing the timing of when we use the chip. I still think it is rather speculative. I don't think it necessarily means it's more favorable to use at a certain circuit or a certain race week. I still think I'm going to be favoring it towards street circuits and wet races. Uh, but at the same time, I think the changes to both have been positive. Uh, but at the moment, I think minus 10 is probably more impactful. Uh, what about you? I think the 10 point transfer penalty is more impactful because we were really just sleepwalking through taking four point penalties last season. It really wasn't enough to deter us. Whereas this is really making us stop and think it gives so much extra value to the wild card and limitless chips, because maybe now they're going to have to bail us out of a situation where a team is completely upside down. Maybe you have that McLaren after Canada or the, Alpha Tauri after Singapore where they've made these huge changes and we need to invest in multiple assets at once and we don't want to take that 10 point penalty and drop our ranking. So that's where these chips become so much more impactful. I am also though very partial to that no negative change because we spent pretty much all of last year explaining to people that if your final score for a driver or constructor isn't negative, it's not going to work. So to have it finally wiping out those subtracted categories it's going to make life a lot easier for us and it's going to finally get the constructors some points on the no negative week as long as the constructor doesn't have a double dnf it's always going to finish in the positive and now this year as drivers lose places or if you have one driver dnf the no negative is going to really help you out so i'm excited for both definitely i think alpine's double driver double dnf last season is probably a, a prime opportunity for the no negative but again interested to see when that time is to use it. And Rob, you and I are going to demo the new battle mode league. I just challenged you this morning. So we'll be sharing some of our head to head progress throughout the season and just talk about this new league type and see if it's something that we would recommend to all of you too. So stay tuned for more of that. Now, one of the big things that we usually had on the show last year that we're saving until Friday this week is our lineup reveal, because there is so much that can change between now and the end of FP3 there's no sense to really display our lineups now anyway. So you've got our basics on where we're heading toward for our lineup. Now it's time to see what you've got. Rob and I will see you on Friday at our live show. Until then, thanks to FanAmp, thanks to Fifth Gear Garms, and thanks to you for watching.